Season 3, episode 22 of Hometown Glory. I'm Charlie, and much like Ange, I'm able to welcome an increasingly strong squad tonight, with only one major absence. So it's hi Billy, hi Rosa, Sam and Tom, and we look forward to welcoming Ash back very soon. I assume it's some sort of hamstring injury like the rest of them have. Um, On this episode, we're going to be reviewing the festive action on and off the field for both Spurs men and women. We're going to be looking ahead to the second half of both team seasons and looking back to 2023 to give our culture highlights from the year just gone. So with the Premier League on a bit of a break right now and the distraction of the cup upon us, we can survey the roller coaster that was our run of games over Christmas. Interestingly, no team has picked up more than our four wins from the last five over this last little run, which maybe tells us all we need to know about this mad, depleted, exhausted time of year for all the clubs. So let's start. I would like to have one good thing, one bad thing, something you liked, something you didn't like, that you saw from these past three games. So Everton, Brighton and Bournemouth. Um, Sam, you can kick us off, please, mate. What did you like? Give us a start on positives. What did you like from these uh, from these games? Happy New Year, first off. Uh, that would have been a really good place to start for me to have started, both welcoming you guys and our viewers. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for being more polite than me, Sam. <laughs> no worries. Um, the good. Uh, for me, I think just the fact that we survived um, probably ties into my my bad comment, but just from the meltdown post-Brighton, um, and I know that we can all get like a bit carried away and obviously the injuries and suspensions were, were a bit of a nightmare, but um, we've smashed it and we've sort of found ourselves stumbled into, dare I say, a little bit of a title race. I think we can, I think we can say that. And I think it's, um, I think it's sort of bad if we don't, I think if we don't talk about us being in that sort of rarefied air, it sort of maybe speaks to the traditional problems that we as a club have with, accepting that we are up there and in it and that is probably one of the things that holds us back so i reckon yes we need to be bold as we enter this exciting new era and year so yes sam nice (laughs) okay good so that is that yours just that we survived we got through we're in a good spot yeah for sure like uh four from the last five i think is incredible um yeah given that you know we're we're in such pieces i think it's 100 that's that's my good i think yeah, sitting where we are, I'm I'm happy with the uh, the holistic picture being my my take home. Okay, I'm gonna go a bit more granular and just concentrate on one man specifically for my thing that I liked. I liked Rodrigo Bentancourt rising from the depths of our injury sort of list, our treatment table. I loved the sort of sneakiness of it all, the fact that it was kept completely hush-hush and what a shot in the arm it was to get that news filtering through on on that Sunday afternoon at lunchtime. I was outside the Antwerp um, with Ash, actually, um, and when the team news got properly announced and he was starting and the whole place, the whole mood around the ground, up and down the high road, inside the stadium before kickoff, it just suddenly felt like everything had changed just through 
this one piece of information. And I'm so, I think it was really, really clever. And I'd love to know whose idea it was. I'm hoping it was Angie's to keep it completely hush-hush because I think it gave everyone such a lift. And because the, the mood was a little bit, I think everyone was very scared of that Bournemouth game going into it after Brighton with the form that Bournemouth were in. And it just gave everyone such a boost. So that's that's my positive. Yeah, I like the way they also tried to do it at Van der Ven. And like, I don't know if you saw yesterday, there was all these like low angle videos of training with like three players in at a time. They were trying to, obviously trying to cover up the fact that Van der Ven was in there. And then they kind of just gave up today, I think, on that one. And they just announced it again. So yeah, so good to have these players come back, man. It's been fucking ages. Billy, as your, um, as your chat, oh, Rosa, do you want to add something to the Spurs sneakiness? Yeah, man. I just think that could prove to be like the pivotal moment of our season. And I don't think I've seen anything like, like we've seen like meltdowns, right, online and in our various groups. But this was like a, an amazing meltdown. Like when the rumours started filtering through, like that picture was posted of him, like in all the same gear as the other players. So everyone was like, what does this mean? And then like an hour later, we got the news that he was starting. Like the collective thrill that went through like the Spurs verse. Like I genuinely believe like, it's like, you know, the flap of a, of a butterfly's wings like changes the course of history. I firmly believe like that moment has changed the course of our season. Yeah, I, I was in all my sort of um, Spurs chat groups going, well, he's, it, calm down. There's no way he's going to start. Like maybe he'll get 10 <laughs> minutes off the bench and then like half hour later look like a dick because I was like, fuck, he's starting. Like, <laughs> just, Yeah, huge news for the rest of the season, isn't it? Yeah, you've never been happier to look so stupid. It's so good. Oh, we are edging ever closer to James Madison and Rodrigo Bentecourt sharing a, sharing a football pitch. And I just cannot wait. I just, those two playing together is going to be, oh, just going to be magic. It's going to be yeah, art, art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Culture. It's going to be culture. Um, Billy, what was your, what was the thing you liked over Christmas, mate? Uh, I was also going to go Benton Cobb, but now I'm just trying to think of some individual players and there's a few that I could choose from. Um, one of them has just been nominated for player of the month. One of them has scored five and five. Uh, one of them I th- don't think Rose will let me say, so I'm going to leave that one as well. The one I'm going to go for <laughs> is someone who's just signed a contract until 2030, Pat Matassar, um, who I just think has been unbelievable the last few games. Um, and it was a bit scary when he went off against uh, Bournemouth. And I think we kind of fell to pieces a little bit in the midfield when he did go off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going to go for him just with the fact that we've managed to get this midfielder f- signed up until 2030, along with your doggy. And um, I think it's a symbol of the like really exciting things that happened at our club. I think he's going to be a massive midfielder for us. Um, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that he's going to Afcon in a way. Cause I was, Obviously, when he came off in two years, you, you, you kind of fear him for him. And obviously, from a Tottenham perspective, it would be good if he didn't go. But you just want the best for him because he's like just like one of the nicest characters in football. Um, so, yeah, just absolutely in love with him. And I can't wait to see him for the next seven years. I wonder what, um, I wonder what happened to him because it looked like for all the money in the world that he'd done his hamstring properly and he was crying and, you know, it looked really bad. And now he's apparently completely fine. Which is great yeah, news, and I think we're all, you know, parking our Spurs stuff. It's brilliant that he's getting to go and play, but um, amazing that he seems to have sort of dodged that hamstring bullet. Yeah, because Ange um, literally said today that he um, he's absolutely fine, apparently. Um, yeah. Yeah, just... Um, and a great goal as well, which I forgot Really to good goal. Really, really good, good goal. goal. He's kind of had that coming, hasn't he? Like most, <laughs> Yeah, has that. And also the opposite to most of his shots, which normally go about 10 yeah. miles over the bar, whereas he kept this one very low. So, Pap... Keep them low, and then you'll score every time. So easy peasy. Yeah, I couldn't, um, I couldn't go on New Year's Eve because um, we were hosting people, and um, 
I was watching on IPTV and he had the ball and like this time slowed down for what appeared like two minutes on the ball. And then my IPTV froze as he was taking the shot. I was like, it's going to go over. And then it re- <laughs> reconfigured as he was celebrating. I was like, oh shit, he actually scored it. So yeah, that was a real, I hate, I hate watching that not being in the stadium. Like I'm sure most of you guys were. Yeah. I think I was uh, yelling, oh, what are you doing? And like literally the next second, the ball hit the back of the net. So uh, just chalk another one up for my like amazing tactical skills. One other thing I was saying in the stadium, cause I couldn't quite see at times. I was like, who's this player that's like, you know, just passing it around at the back and slowing it down. I was like, get it forward. And then realizing it was Rodrigo Bentoncourt and being like, I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> It's the weird thing of you have to sort of um, get used to how kind of completely laid back he is, don't you? Because you forget that he is so cool and calm and sort of believes he has all the time in the world. And somehow he, you know, nine times out of 10 absolutely does have all the time in the world to do whatever he wants. But compared to the sort of slightly manic way that other midfielders we have um, recycle possession, it's it does take a bit of, um, oh, yeah, no, I can relax. It's fine. Rodrigo's got this under control. Very Musa Dembele-like in that way, right? Because, mm. you know, again, Dembele, you'd always think, mate, you're taking too much time on the ball. And then you're like, oh, no, <laughs> he doesn't lose the ball. And it's, it's totally fine, yeah. Yeah, it's the same with Bentancur in that, like, the no matter the pressure or the situation, he just doesn't lose the ball and always makes the pass. So, And it's fully the one Musa Dembele comparison I will actually accept. I don't, like I never accepted the Basuma comparisons, but I do think Bentoncourt is the closest we have come yet. Shout out um, to if anyone's not read the fantastic athletic long read on the like myth, the man, the mystique of Musa Dembele. Strong recommend. Well, you've changed, Rosa. <laughs> I really have. Have What's I changed on? or have they? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rosa, you can give me what? In fact, let me rephrase this. You can now talk about Ben Davies for 90 seconds. Go. Thank you so much, guys. Um, What else is there to say about this giant of a man? Uh, As I've been saying to you all, I think, you know, I've said it before. There's just two things he doesn't have. He doesn't have the sort of physical size and he doesn't have the speed. And if I could give him any gifts, it would be that. But I think in a lot of ways, I've realized the fact that he's had to kind of work through what he doesn't have has actually made him a much better player. He's learned all the time from all of the managers that he's ever had. He not only like does the job, he excels. And even though I'm sure he will lose his place when our first choice central defenders are back, I don't like I think there's always going to be a place for him because just the nature of football there's so much football, even for us who don't even play that many games. They're just and the way we play, the pressure of it. I think there will always be times when he will need to step in. So I don't feel sort of bad about that. And I also think he is the one example of how sometimes it is good to keep players around. And actually, sometimes institutional memory is a good thing. And it, as long as it isn't just players who are kind of sitting around getting sick of managers and waiting for them to get sacked, so they can move on to the next one. Like he is someone who kind of genuinely like embodies what can be good about having people around for a long time. So, yeah, that's my um, symphony in Gentle Ben. It's um, it's interesting with him, isn't it? Because obviously, if you kind of rewind the clock a bit, he was always the sort of less sexy left-back option, whether it was Danny Rose and then it was like Sergio Reguillon, which seems like a mad thing to think back to now, but the excitement we had when he joined. Um, and I, now don't, I don't remember that. 
Um, it's really joined, uh, tonight, by the way. Yeah, oh, sorry. God. Yeah, the the yeah. the new the new signing that is Sergio Reggio. Um and now he's sort of in exactly the same situation, but as a centre back, as the kind of you know dependable. Um, you know, not, maybe not everyone's first choice slash sort of maybe no one's first choice, but he's going to play a ton of games. He's going to come in. He's going to do a good job. And I think this has been a really nice period for him with a lot of fans sort of reappraising just how valuable he is and, you know, what a tremendous player he's been um, for Spurs over such a long time. So good times for the the Ben Hive. Um, led, Thank of course, you very much. I accept players. everyone's apologies. Actually, I do. Can can we just also say that it was amazing to win a game? I was concerned about not having Christian Romero, and we actually won a game without him. So that's also a massive takeaway from the best period for me. Good stuff, Tom. 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 Um, what was your thing that you liked? Yeah, super simple from me. Really, I think with Charlison, um, the he's so confident. He's on clearly on the best form since he joined us, and you know maybe on the best form in you know in the league in some time. I can't. I'd be honest. I didn't wasn't watching Everton that closely, although he was always someone I admired and was frustrated by because he's excellent at winding people up. But yeah, I think we're so lucky to have him with Sonny off. Um, he is, yeah, playing so well and he seems to be building an amazing understanding with Kulu um, and with Brennan Johnson and also Lo Celso um, and Madison, when he comes back in, will also be exciting with Richarlison, I think. So, mm. yeah, he's been he's been brilliant and... I think I've said multiple times, I just love him. To, I think I said it last season. I just want 10 goals from him and said it this season as well. It's nearly there. It's nearly there. He is nearly there. I think if you look for Everton, he only ever got like 15 or something max. And if you look how kind of reliant on Son and Kane for goals we've been over the last few seasons, um, when, you know, we used to have Ericsson and Delhi getting us loads of goals as well. Mm. Uh, even, yeah, 10 to 15 goals from him would be amazing. He just looks like a proper centre forward now, doesn't he? And I don't know, even yeah, Everton, where he played sort of off the left and, you know, he sort of filled in for sort of Calvert-Lewin, etc. But like, he just looks like a striker now, like he sort of did for Brazil at the World Cup. And this groin surgery is just like groin surgery for all. Like he's like a different yeah. human being. His his movement and his presence, like, is just so good, and his confidence. Mm. And we haven't seen. He had a couple of moments, I guess, under Conte, but we haven't seen. A, like there was the Marseille game, I think, in the Champions League, right, where he got to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We but we haven't seen this from him, and I'm so excited and just so happy for the guy because he's such yeah. a dude. And I think you can tell just how thrilled all the others are for him as well. Like the way that they're all celebrating with him when he scores just is, is proper heartwarming. Um, I don't want to stop the heartwarming stuff, but it was a sort of up and down period. Um, you know, we were chatting amongst ourselves before and, you know, I think the festive games are a grind. You just have to get through them. Everyone's knackered. Everyone's got injuries and suspensions at this time of year. So the football's not often particularly fluent and we, I think, definitely saw that from us. Was there any... Well, I want something that did sort of piss you off, annoy you, worry you, you didn't enjoy. Um, Sam, back to you for this. Yeah, like I alluded to before, I think it's just 
the um the meltdown post Brighton uh was was the thing that annoyed me obviously being the uh the grand optimist and i know that that annoys a lot of you guys sometimes <laughs> i'm always like chill out it's gonna be good <laughs> like shut up mate like um but yeah i think that just did it i don't know like really does get to me when when people um overreact in such a big way and i know that social media is built in a way that um yeah that's that's how you get the clicks by being um yeah giving like these ultimatums and and huge um statements that that sort of yeah uh, are similar to yeah the world burning down but um i just think we 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 need to keep it together sometimes and yeah look, look where we are now i think if if people sort of look back at some of the comments they made after brighton it, it, it all does seem a little bit silly um yeah take a big look at the uh the larger picture is is always my my take home Good stuff. Thanks, Sam. And yeah, I, I need some tips on how to stay so relentlessly positive from you in, in this year. Um Yeah, I find it I find it necessary, Sam. It's much appreciated. I don't it's not annoying at all because we really, really need it. Um just as someone who tries not to get negative, but um also occasionally just finds themselves like staring sort of blankly into space. <laughs> well, Rosa, here's your opportunity to be slightly negative. Give me your your negative from the period. Yeah, I'm going to do it because um, Kulu, I'm really mad at you. That was fucking unnecessary. And I feel personally offended by it because we'd all been having a discussion about who's going to be captain when all of the rest of them are away or broken. And I was obviously like, well, GB, but I would also accept Kulu due to maturity and motivational quotes. And then he got himself <laughs> suspended. So I was just like, retracted. So, you know, it's time to, I'm sure he will, like, to be honest, he's obviously like earned a bad day, but it like literally couldn't have come at a worse time. So. It was a very annoying penalty to give away, wasn't it? And I think as lots of people has, um, have highlighted, that's not the first time he's tried one of those sort of ridiculously obvious shirt pulls in the box as well. And he's been quite fortunate in the past. So hopefully it's one of those situations where he's now been caught and knows not to try it again. Um, and also now he's hopefully a, a bit rested as well because he's had, you know, he's had a good, a good period to sort he, of chill out to be honest he, need, he probably needed that he played like the most minutes of anyone right so yeah he never gets he never gets up does he and yeah we're going to need him for the, the next little while because um, we are a bit depleted now with everyone going off on their um, adventures um, cool alright Decky gets Rosa's thumbs down Tom you who's who's in your bad books or what was in your bad books I mean I don't know it, like a huge six out of nine points obviously but the Everton game was an extremely hard watch. And when the, you know, we spent a lot of that game, I was just wanted the final whistle so bad. And when it was blown, mm. we just sort of turned to each other and said, wow, that was horrible. But, you know, massive win and you've got to win ugly. And they were um, the kind of form team in the league at that point. I think the most frustrating thing, you know, Everton wasn't pretty, but what a big win. But at Brighton, the frustrating thing was we just, we actually started playing on 80 minutes and we we played quite well. Got two consolation goals. I'm really sad that Valiz has now got injured because that goal was that he got against Brighton was really important for him. And he started to look just, you know, like he thought he belonged there. 
um, mm. and deserved to be playing sort of centre forward for us, and we were going to need him with uh, with Son out. But yeah, frustrating because we honestly didn't start playing in that Brighton match till eighty minutes in, did we? Um, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't pretty overall. But yeah, six out of nine points is clearly incredible. Um, I'm just going to say quickly, I, it, my sort of lingering irritation from the summer that we left ourselves so short at centre back, I think, really was hammered home because whilst you know Davies has obviously done you know an incredibly commendable job playing at centre back, and even Emerson as well as you know done as well as you could possibly expect, uh, you know a, a, a right back who I don't think has ever played there before. Um, particularly them playing together, just the fact that we are in that situation. And I know, you know, people can say, oh, well, it's rare for both your starting centre-backs to be to be out. But the fact that we sold Sanchez, knowing that Ange isn't a fan of Dyer, you know, leaving ourselves open to that, you know, I, I don't know that we would have got sort of ripped apart by two, in my opinion, relatively average forwards in Jao Pedro and Danny Welbeck, had we had you know, an actual centre-back on the pitch. And it's kind of annoying to me that, I, you know, I think we've dropped points because we rolled the dice so brazenly in in that area. So that's my irritation. But Mickey's back now. Cootie's going to be back soon. And I won't have anything to whinge about. So I'm going to be fine. And we're probably going to sign our, um, our Romanian friend as well. So it'll all be happy days. But I can just sort of look at a couple of results this season thinking, ah, oh, God, if we'd have just signed one more. But anyway, doesn't matter would be great. We're going to win the league. Billy. Um, so in 2019, <laughs> the I love it when Philly starts like this. Sorry. <laughs> the medical minds of the world got together um, to create a vaccine uh, in under a year. And that usually is a process which takes 10 to 15 years. Um, and we got the vaccine now and it's working. So why are we in 2024 and there's still no way that we can heal like hamstrings really, really quickly? Can they not just put all of that energy into like <laughs> hamstring technology? Like 3D printing, AI, there must be something that we can do to stop this because what we've had like four significant hamstring injuries and I just don't know what the doctors are doing if they're not focusing all of their energy on this. I think there should be a geopolitical importance uh, thing to stop these injuries happening and I'm really frustrated that we keep losing players to hamstring injuries and it's 2024. Is um What's happened to Valise, by the way? I know Ange said he's out for a couple of months, but what's with what injury? Knee ligaments, which is also come on, twenty twenty four. No one should be have two months out from a damaged ligament. Like, come on, we've got like nanotechnology and all that stuff. Just, just get us all it, guys. It is such a shame that he's out, isn't it? Because he really was looking. The he'd, be, part he'd probably be at like last. He'd probably be playing on Friday, right? At least like half a game. Yeah, I I'm really so. glad about it. It's really, it's really bad timing that. Um, and also, I thought I actually thought he looked really good when he came on against Brian. I thought he was mm. like not not just a good cameo. I thought he was like excellent. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Really he terrible really timing. Good. It's also terrible timing because Dane Scarlett is back, people. Um, <laughs> we, I know you're so mean to Dane, Tom. <laughs> that sounds harsh, but I mean, every time he's played for us, he has not looked good. You remember those what Europa Conference games? Uh, no, and, I've wiped them from my mind. <laughs> exactly. I, um, I used to take him off at half time. <laughs> it was such bad management. Off. <laughs> I'm Nuno's really B team. He's, he's bulked up while he's been at Ipswich, and yeah, I mean he's barely played any football either. But hopefully, Ange can get a get a tune out of him. The last time I saw him, he was scoring a goal. I remember going to the Shakhtar friendly where he came on for Harry, I believe, and um, 
scored. We were all like, this is the future. Yeah. I think it was the last kick of the game. He sort of whipped one into the corner and everyone was like, oh, maybe he's, and now he's, and then he sort of went off to Ipswich. I think the next day and everyone was like, what a great loan. They've got Kieran McKenna. He's a great manager. Ipswich are going to be, and then nothing. Bit of and a shame, no, no, actually, yeah, like um, like all our loans. Yeah, yeah. Actually, they're I'm all coming change, back, aren't they? Yeah, I'm going to change my negative to bad loans actually, because mm. today oh. Spence, Reggion, and Scarlett returned a couple of days ago, but um, it's just gone really badly. I think Joe Roden's doing really well for Leeds, and Leeds fans are absolutely adore him. But that's three loans where we just wasted half a season for three uh, talents that could be doing a lot better for us. So yeah, I don't I don't think we'll see any of them other than Scarlett. I don't think Reggion or Spence will be integrated back into the team. It's just been a total waste of everyone's time. And also Tanganga, who has not played a single minute for Augsburg. Augsburg yeah. yeah. Didn't uh, he get injured? I mean Yeah, I think so. No, it's all irrelevant at this yeah. point. He's yeah. So our loaning uh system needs needs rethink again. From what just... from what I've heard with Spence, I think the problems with him might be more Spence related than a club related. It just the fact that this keeps happening as well. And... Yeah, so I saw half of the Leeds. If you if you go on the Leeds tweet that mentioned it, like half of their fans are really annoyed by it. And the thing because I, I think he started the last seven games in a row, and then half of them are like they were talking about his attitude and like his body language and stuff. Uh, so yeah, whatever is going on in the loan department is is clearly not working for us, and it hasn't done for a good number of years really. And any words on um, Tangy and Dombele while we're here? No, let's please God. If I see the tweet saying he's coming back, oh my God. Can we have one transfer window where we don't talk about him? No, challenge impossible. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry, moving on. Troy oh, Parrott's so- doing quite well, apparently, I believe. In, uh... Yeah, Troy, Troy Parrott's found his level, hasn't he? Like, sort of reasonably good Dutch striker, I think is a very happy place for Troy, which I'm I'm thrilled and about. Al- it's nice that he's scoring. And Alfie Devine is doing really well at Port Vale and he's playing like every week and he just looks really good. And so I think there are some good examples. And I think um, apparently we've got this really good under-21 goalkeeper called Josh Kelly who's just gone to Barnet on loan. I think he's like 18 and he's just been called up to the island under-21. So he's one to look out for as well. I think also, he's just gone on today. can I just say, I love nothing more than United banter. Like I love the chaos <laughs> that United are constantly in. But when the first thing Jim Ratcliffe did when he came in, him and Dave Brailsford, the cycling guy, the first thing they did was send Regalon back to us. I was like, oh, shit, maybe like they do know what they're doing. And, you know, <laughs> kind of fair play to them. I can see why they've done it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is concerning. Wait, is, this, is Dave Brailsford the actual cycling dude? I didn't yeah, know. That's, yeah. that's a whole other tangent. I did not know that. Yeah, he's going to be there sort of director of football it's whatever. like when um do you remember when clive woodward was like southampton's I director do. Of football for like <laughs> 10 minutes until they realized that actually the sports are quite different and maybe you can't translate that experience um hopefully, hopefully the same chaos united, yeah. yeah for united um right okay i think we did a good job of sort of not being negative but you know sort of constructive criticisms of a very tricky period Let's um let's move on. I want to look at um sort of part two of the season, which we're incredibly about to roll into. Um, I can't believe this season's sort of halfway through already. Um, at the same time, I can because so many things have happened. But I want to ask you some questions. Um, I want to know who's the player, and this can be Spurs women or Spurs men. Who are you most excited about watching for the rest of the season? This can obviously be a returning player off our um off our sort of injury list this can be someone who you've loved watching already that you think is going to sort of kick up a gear 
It's going to be someone, anyone. I want to know. Um, Tom, you can go first. Who are you looking forward to seeing? I think I want to love Brennan Johnson. Uh, and I think he's had a couple of games where he's disappeared a bit. But when we've seen the best of him, he's been brilliant. And you look at the cross he put in for Rich Charlison's goal against Bournemouth. And it, like, it was just so good. I think the understanding that he's building with Richarlison, especially over the next month with Songon, is going to be brilliant. It, like the, some of the crosses he puts in, you're like, how have you actually done that? Um, so I would love him to find, yeah, some consistency and just stake a claim. Do you know, just be an automatic starter. I think he's so young and so promising. And seems like such a good lad. Uh, the photos I've seen of like his mum and dad, and like when he um, and all his fits as well. Let's not overlook the fact that got, he is one of the best dressed players in the Premier League. He's got some amazing clothes, and I, my heart broke for him when he um, went off early against Nottingham Forest with his dad in the crowd as well. And in the, in the away end as well. What, a, despite being a sort of Forest legend, David Johnson, which was he in our how, Amazing. Yeah, he was in the away end. Yeah, in a Spurs scarf. And also, I feel like maybe it's, I mean, I'm not really a Harry Potter nut. Maybe Rosa could advise, but he's now Present. got <laughs> he's now got a massive scar on his forehead, hasn't he? Which I feel like <laughs> yeah, from, the, from the injury at Nottingham Forest. Um, and I feel like maybe that's like what makes him a man. And, you know, this. <laughs> yeah, it's going to power him up for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Tom, I've got two Brennan related questions for you. Um, obviously, with Sonny away. We are, and assuming Sonny was sort of set to continue down the left with Richarlison becoming um, sort of prime OG Ronaldo. Do you continue with Brennan on the right wing where he has been whipping in all these crosses and being a bit of a throwback to kind of an Aaron Lennon-esque sort of right footer on the right wing? Or do you bring him over to the left and you put Kulu back on the right? Or do you have Kulisevsky on the left? And have a left footer on the left and a right wing on the right, which kind of goes against modern football and how they do wingers. But what would you do? I mean, I would let Ange make that decision. But well, I'm asking you; he's not here. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, I'm not really a technical guy, but I think he has looked miles better on the right, hasn't he? And I agree. Yeah. I also loved the days of Aaron Lennon, um, and I sit. Where I sit, I get the right winger coming at me in the first half down the uh, when I'm sat in the south stands, and it's always my, a lot of fun. So yeah, I'd keep him on the right and let Kulu kind of dip about and do what he do what he wants. So you're saying I suppose Brian, Brian right Hill right. could go on the left, which no, is a... <laughs> never. <laughs> um, okay, good. Um, the other thing I was going to say about Brennan, I saw someone online talk about. Maybe Billy, it was even you. It's often you. Um, was how incredible having Madison back is going to be for Johnson and indeed, like both the wingers. And I think back to remember that first goal we scored against Liverpool where Madison did that gorgeous sort of eye of a needle pass through to Richarlison on the left wing who cut it back for Sonny to, to tap home. We've missed Madison's passes in terms of getting the wingers sort of behind the fullback and basically in on goal so badly. And I don't think, you know, Johnson hasn't played a 
if he's played with Madison, you know, it's not been for very many games at all. So I think he's going to massively benefit from having Madison there to sort of get him in behind much more than he's been able to so far. So that I'm really excited for Brennan for. I also feel like Kulu on the left could be really interesting because I think mm. part of the problem of having him on the right has been that he's been quite predictable, right? So moving him in the centre has given him sort of a licence to do things that defenders are not expecting. So maybe kind of moving him even further over to the left could bring out a whole other side of him. I would, despite the fact that I'm still mad at him, I would back him to add like a whole other dimension to his game, actually. Me too. I'm keen to see it for a match at least. And I feel like maybe Old Trafford as well will see it. But um, we'll see. I also think um, um, from like a vibes point of view and a, a mentor point of view, Madison coming back for Brennan will be important. Not just, mm. but a lot of the younger players. Like I think he's just such a good, not only a great teammate in like technically playing passes out to Brennan and Richarlison and stuff, but I think he's also just a great role model for someone like Brennan. Two men of the East Midlands as well. So um, I'm sure they can vibe on that. Um I don't know what over, but just various East Midlandsy things. Um let's keep moving. I've got questions for everyone. So we need to um we need to chop chop. Billy, who what who are you most looking forward to seeing? Yep, I'll keep it nice and quick. James Madison, um, just because he's absolutely incredible and I haven't seen him for way too long. Um I heard the rumors that he might be back looking towards Brentford slash Man United. Um, and I just can't wait to see him. I think when he was playing for us, he was the best player in the league in form, and I can't wait to have him back. It's mad, isn't it? I think we've all, I was saying earlier, like I've almost not allowed myself to think on him too often because it's sort of been so heartbreaking not yeah, having him in the what? team. It's actually, it's actually been mad that Ange has managed to somehow like fashion two really good number 10s. Obviously, we knew Lacelso might play there, but to put Nkulu there has, has made it a lot sweeter over the last mm. uh, few months. But you know, as much as I love both of those players in that role, they just don't compare to what is possibly the best number 10 in Europe at the moment. So... Uh, I just wow. can't come back. Okay, good stuff. Welcome back, Madders. It's going to be brilliant. Um, Rosa? Yeah, mine is incredibly basic. It's Bethany England. I like we've seen her a bit she's she hasn't really been back to her full fitness yet and hopefully the break will have given her a chance to just fully fully get back to fitness um obviously she won't have like match sharpness but i'm not even sure some like a player as good as Bethany england even needs it i feel like you know as soon as we get back into into the games again she'll just be up and running and like I just I can't wait to see how she fits in with the with the new look team. She hasn't really had a chance to even play with like the first choice midfield, and the new players that are coming in and all the rest of it. I'm like I just think she's going to kill it basically, and I can't wait. Um, and also yeah, like the the new players. Uh, I was going to call out uh, Matilda uh, Vinmjög, who are the new Swedish 21, 22 year old who looks really exciting. I was watching some clips. And watching her score from like 35 yards. Um, and yeah, Man City were interested in her apparently. Lots of other top teams. Yeah, we've teams. upset loads of other teams this transfer window. It has been so delicious. Um, and just she seems very impressive from her sort of intro chat um, on the Spurs social channels. I thought she comes over kind of with that steely ambition that top players have. She's not all like, oh yeah, I'm just happy to be here. This is amazing. Dream come true. She's like... She said something like, this is the right club for me right now, which is a bit terrifying because it reminded me of like the sort of things Bale would say before he went to Real Madrid. But 
we need players that are that good that have ambitions sort of beyond us almost and can hopefully drag us up with them so i think she's going to be going to be great I think that's a really good point as well, because I think that has that is very visibly what has happened to us over the last six months in that we had Bethany England and she saved us from relegation. But we've got and finally we've got players like Celine Bizet, like showing us what she can really do. And Martha Thomas, just players who have come from, you know, actually bigger clubs mm. who are used to like an extremely professional setup where there are big, big, big expectations and ambitions. And I think they, those players have really lifted our club. And I think the more we get of those kinds of players and that kind of attitude, that is going to, they will take us with them, I think. I'm excited. Um, so she was one of my picks, my other sort of men pick. I'm going to have to talk about Gio quickly because I've gone like half an hour without mentioning him. Um, I'm so happy for you, genuinely. I mean, I'm, uh, I almost wasn't going to mention him because I feel like anytime I get excited about him, he then sort of proves me wrong by getting injured. And then I have to sort of go to a war with all of my friends and try not to get across with everyone being mean about him. But um, I just think he's been so good. Anytime he's been on the pitch, I just love my little, um, my little Shetland pony with his little legs sort of frantically going in straight lines sort of across the pitch and spraying his little outside of the foot passes into space and just I thought he really against Bournemouth he really sort of accepted the responsibility in the second half I thought to just drag us up the pitch to you know get the ball to drive us past people win free kicks make things happen and you know obviously Madders is coming back and I'm sure Gio is going to be playing less and be you know coming off the bench and stuff but just to have that depth that I think hopefully touch wood if we do manage to steer clear of injuries Amazing. Like what a guy that we can bring on with sort of 20 minutes to go to, you know, give us a bit more control in the middle of the pitch. So I'm excited to see how he does with the players that are returning. Right, a shout out the fact that he's been involved in three kerfuffles since he's been back as well. Harland, <laughs> uh, Jao Pedro the other day, and also the one at Bournemouth where he was somehow getting involved um, in the and one. Yeah, I love that about him. Um, that's probably my favourite thing about him, actually. Um, Is there as many kerfuffles as goals? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I just like the way that he's actually properly fight. He's so invested now, you can tell, because he's, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that Bournemouth video where he's basically on the pitch. Like, when he's he's been subbed off, but he's on the pitch, like, shouting at people. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, the Jao Pedro one was actually low-key my favourite one. Obviously, the Bournemouth one where he's, like, on the pitch, screaming at Paul Valise to go down and all the rest of it is great. But, like, he has no business with Jao Pedro whatsoever. I don't know what he mentioned to him that got Jao Pedro so mad. They were like 4-0 up or something at the time. So I can only assume he was just like being a little annoying sort of prick. Is that when Pedro is like walking, is like taking time he's to being, walk off and then he goes I, I guess so, yeah, like... I guess so. And it's just, I just, yeah, he's like a different human being. Someone shared, there was that video when Richarlison signed um, where he meets Romero in the sort of canteen for the first time and they hug sort of having had their little skirmish when we played Everton the season before and Gio is with um, Romero and sort of looks so sullen and disinterested and sort of gives Richarlison a cursory sort of slap of the hands and just walks off sulking different human being now it's amazing I'm so so happy Um, or now do I love that like sulking now I'm like you know (laughs) you were just waiting for everyone to prove themselves to you I don't know I might be like into like the entire Gio vibe now (laughs) I really have I, changed. I this, is the most, this is the most rosy thing that's ever happened. <laughs> uh, 
I love the way that him and Benton Kerr properly look after Valise as well. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. When he was obviously oh, so Benton nice. Kerr like took him around. Gio was fighting for him. And I'm sure Romero would have been. I, I think from what I think Romero basically like babysits him, which is great. Um I love the way that they're all like rallying around him at the moment. Um cool. I managed to get a good old Gio sort of segment in there. Um Sam, who are you excited about, mate? Uh I'll speak for Ash as well. Um, but it's gotta be Richarlison. Um, I'm sure everyone knows how much or the, the, the pelters that Ash was getting and probably has been getting for the last year or so. So um yeah, You need to call him Richard if you're gonna um speak for Ash, because I think Ash exclusively refers to Richarlison as Richard, which is um <laughs> something I very much enjoy. Back to is is uh Richard Arlison um joke <laughs> about driving the bus, I think that one. Um yeah, no, I'm I'm so excited to hopefully see him go yeah six and six, um on to, uh, after tomorrow night, um just yeah sort of continue on what Tom was saying before. It's just like so nice to see such a vibey guy like go through um, tough times and have such a huge redemption arc and hopefully become the main man to to bring us home for the second half of the season um yeah just really really excited and and so happy that he's playing well and scoring goals please don't get injured richie for the next month please you are not allowed to get injured um i mean imagine if he did but then we got like a dane scarlet story <laughs> no i'm not even going to speak that into existence that's that's one like miracle too many for this season i think um cool all right you're giving me your people to look forward to that's exciting now i want new people that you're excited about um is there a transfer that might happen in the next month that you are desperate to see? It can it can just be a position? Is there a an incoming player for both men and women? I know I already mentioned um Vinberg for the for the Spurs women, but is there an is there a signing that we might be about to make that you think would really sort of change things in a good way for us, Billy? Uh, I'm going to go straight away with Radu Dragushin, um, which I think someone on Twitter is the correct way to pronounce it. I might be butchering that. Um, Romanian centre-back that we're very strongly linked with but it's now going for that sort of phase that all Tottenham transfers go to where it looks like it might collapse at any minute and then other clubs <laughs> are getting involved but hopefully we'll get it through the line in the next couple of days um, and I watched him versus uh, Inter on Friday night last Friday and he scored um, so that's always a good sign but he looks really really good in the air and I think he's only 21 um, he looks a lot older he looks uh, like, like he's a pretty handsome guy um, but I think he looks really, really good. And um, I just think we are, as you were talking about earlier, Charlie, we are absolutely desperate for centre-backs at the moment. And I think if we sign him, it could be a, a, a real big step towards having a good set of quality centre-backs. Um, Romero, Van de Ven, uh, Drogosheen and Davis as well. So I, I think that would be a pretty decent four um, <clears throat> to get behind. So, yeah, I really want a new centre-back. and I really, want, I really like the look of him. As we were saying, Billy, as well, his name scans perfectly with Ra Ra Rasputin. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, all dun, all I will uh, all I'll say on that is watch this space from uh, Spurs songs. There's uh, definitely some things in the pipeline happening in that regard. If you get over, over the line, okay, good stuff. Um, Tom, anyone you're excited about us maybe signing? I've got a slight bugbear in that we never buy anyone good from the lower english leagues um the one we did buy jack clark we totally fumbled and fucking 
No, he's not the best player in the championship now. He's now the best player in the championship. And did we we bought him for 10 million and then let him go for less than half that or something? Oh, it was like 90 grand or something. It was it was the 18 million. Yeah. I think think we paid Sunderland to take him off us. It was ridiculous. Brilliant. Um, so and we missed Bowen, uh, we missed Elise. As a Alex Scott Scott as well, another one. Oh, Alex Scott now looks really good at Bournemouth. Scored against us, of course, and scored against us. Nearly got a second. Had an assist the game before, I think, um, for Solanke. Uh, So yeah, that really fucks me off. Uh, We're clearly, uh, you know, especially in January, we're not going to get a Bowen or an Elise or an Eze. Um, So there's a lad at Plymouth who I don't know if we've genuinely. Are you like? Are you like co-managing him, Tom? Because your interest in this Plymouth fella. No, so I've never known you be so keen on a player before. So his name's Morgan Whittaker. My best mate is a Plymouth. (laughs) I don't even know if I believe that he exists. I've made him up. Genuinely, my best mate's a Plymouth fan, and it would really wind him up if we bought their best player in January. Um, and they'd probably go down um, to League One uh, <laughs> uh, in the after one, only once. Oh, you bastard. You bastard. Wait, this, this is your best friend? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Just for a wind-up. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know if the t- whole Twitter account is a wind-up, but that Invert the Wing guy uh, <laughs> on Twitter was like, the one player we need to buy is Morgan Whitaker. Um, genuinely, though, right, 26 guys. <laughs> 26 games, 13 goals and five assists. And he's another Brennan Johnson who can play left, right or in the middle. Um, So for not wanting to miss another gem from the championship, let's just go and buy him. It'll cost about fucking five million. um, And yeah, he's not Italian for once. And and Tom will make a cool 200 grand out of it if we do. So go on Tottenham. Do um, get involved with Tom's weird championship pyramid selling. 13 goals and five assists already. Come on, bring him in. Um, I'm going to say quickly uh, Jota, just for vibes. Like, he just, I need, I feel like I need him in this Spurs squad. I feel like on a vibes tip, he is the missing, the missing piece. Um, It's partly because of the hair, partly because of the tash, um, partly because he's Angie's boy, but we need him. Swap Brian for him and I think we're done after a centre-back. Um, and maybe a central midfielder. Um, Sam, give me a, give me someone. Uh, it's already been done actually, and I'd I'd be I'd be a bad Australian if I didn't say Rose is laughing. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Grant, I'm gonna say rather than Grant. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we we put some Australian respect on her name. Get the Aussies in get them all in I want them in the men's team the women's team I want them in the you know the staff all around the club um no I'm I'm so excited to to see and she's good right she's a good player this yeah, is a bit of a World coup semi-finalist um and scored yeah. against England I saw in that that game yeah, yeah broke England's, England's winning streak mm. yeah yeah so I mean you know officially I'm disgusted but and she remind me is she a is she a left back or a right back? She's a left back. So, so does, this really cool. Ash, so can... does this put Ash Neville's place under threat? No, it means Ash Neville can go back to playing on the right. Oh, good. And then we have like okay. proper fullbacks. Wow, bombing up and down. She's an attacking left back. Ash is an attack. Like we can we can actually kill teams with this formation. It's going to be incredible. I feel um, like I didn't know who was happier, Sam, you or me, and I'm pretty sure it's actually you. 
no, no I'm, I'm i'm just buzzing like yeah it's it's so good and also just like all of the uh the promo vids as well it's it's all the stuff you want to hear like she obviously played against robert's teams in in sweden um and just nice to see that after yeah like a frustrating summer from the women's team that like we're actually cooking up something serious now mm. And they want to um, come to play for him. Like she specifically talked about his style of play. And I think Matilda did as well. I just think, yeah, we seem serious. There's going to be a lot of blonde ponytails out there and it is going to be tricky to tell them all apart. But we're going to be winning, so it doesn't matter. Up the blonde ponytails. Um, Rosa, give me yours now, please. Yeah, I've sort of lost, I've really lost the thread of like what's going on with the men, like, because it just feels like we're focusing in on the centre back. And then I talked myself into Conor Gallagher again, only obviously, like, he doesn't want to leave. Fair enough. Um, I guess we do need another forwardy type person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Jota sounds cool. Um, so the other person who seems to be happening on the women's front is, let me just double check her name. She's another like Swede. Um, um, what's her name? Amanda. Let me just have a quick check. Amanda Nilden. So she is a centre back from Juve, and there've been rumours. And I just want to shout out the dude who like DM'd me a few weeks ago to be like, "This could be happening." I won't say who you are in case you get into trouble, but it looks like it is. It could really be a thing. And she can play central defence or defensive midfielder, which feels like exactly the sort of thing we need. So if that happens, I'll be. Please, it feels like that's like four signings um, this window. And I think we're interested in like a pretty good place, really. So very pleased. She um, And she's played in England before, right? She's played for Brighton for a bit. I think yeah. I saw. I think um, so, yeah. And again, I think she's like quite young. It all feels like just putting, putting a team together for like for the future, which is very cool. It's um it's all good news from Spurs women. This is all very exciting. Um good. Okay. I think we've just about solved the recruitment issues around Spurs. Um I'm surprised we didn't talk about Conor Gallagher a bit more because that uh, I wonder if there's a few more twists and turns with that, particularly if um if Pierre does leave. Um perhaps for for Juve actually, but we'll see what happens with uh with that saga. But um yeah, hopefully centre back. Hopefully some more cool players and lots of Australians for Sam. Um, good stuff. Right. This is a bit of a left field question. Who's going to be the next player to get some mad suspension or injury? And I, I'm like, oh, do we really want to talk this into the universe? But should we skip this question? I feel like it's just bad vibes. Like, I don't know. I don't want any more injuries. I don't want any I more feel like, should we do it to like get out ahead of the bad vibes? But maybe you're right. Just to be like, let's just, you know what? It doesn't matter. The universe is just going to like use us as it will. And also you can't predict this stuff. Like, you know, it'd probably be like Brian Hill assaults the ref or something against Burnley. Yeah, and... like after the, after the Valise one, you can't predict it because like, he's not even, doesn't even like barely play for us and he's getting injured. Like what is, what is even going on anymore? If like some guy that gets like five minutes here and there is getting like a muscle injury, then that's when you know the universe is at play and, and not something that we can do anything about. The Shout out one... his hilarious attempt to get on the end of that Hoybier through ball, by the way. <laughs> and um, also Hoybier's decision the... to actually pass to him in the first place. <laughs> I know, had the ball man. I felt like about Pierre. five minutes yeah. as well. He was like, I've got Sonny on the left. Uh, <laughs> arguably the most informed striker in the league and captain sprinting off into the distance. Or I've got the bloke that's been run, 
literally <laughs> crying on the pitch since he came on and kicked someone's thigh. I'm, I'll go with him. I'll go with him. Um, I thought, like, I defended Hoybier for that whole performance, but you're right, that one, because I think he did amazingly well when he came on and calmed everything down. But yes, that was a moment of complete insanity, basically. I feel like we're going to have to have a whole special episode sort of devoted to Pierre when he does go, just to sort of try and unpick the minefield that is his Spurs legacy and how definitely one of the most divisive players in modern times, Pierre, I think. like The the people that hate him really, really, really hate him. The amount of like Twitter sort of back and forth I've had with people, wasted hours of my life like trying to stick up for him. Mad, yeah, mad they're just they're gone. You can't, you can't reason with them. I think it's insane. Yeah, so um, did you see that he um he sacked his agent this because he didn't get a move in summer. Um, so he's hired a new agent to definitely get a move this January. So I think he'll probably go. And I, I yeah, I'm kind of a bit mixed really. I feel a little bit sad that he's going because I think he's a great sub to have. And like he and the the report that said he sacked his agent with the move to to get in a view uh, view to get the move. Tottenham apparently just said we, they're happy for him to go, but they, he has also said if he doesn't go, they know he'll be like 100% professional, which I think just like sums him up really. Yeah. Um, I think I've got a feeling he'll stay to the summer. I am, um, because I think he's going to be really picky about where he goes, as he should, because he's like and also 27, the, um, 28. This is his, you know, maybe his last big, big move. He UV, doesn't want to be like bunked off to, you know, Bournemouth or something, yeah, does he? I think. So. And the UVA director came out today and said they can't afford him. So. Yeah. I, think, I think that was his plan, but I think that's already in the mud. Okay. All right. Good luck, Pierre. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we've we've sort of kind of answered that question, but we're also going to be chicken and not really answer it. Um, this is a much scarier question. Now, I want some predictions. Where are we going to finish in the league? We can look back in a few months and laugh at ourselves, um, particularly because we'll be league champions by then. Um and how far are we going to get in the FA Cup? Um, Tom, you can go first. Where are we going to end up in the league? I'm going to say third and semi-finals. Okay. Good. And I'll take, I'll take that all day. Yeah, that would be solid, right? I mean, I'm already imagining what sort of heartbreak that semi-final would provide, but um, can't say we're not used to that. So at least that'll be familiar. Um, Billy? I'm going to say fourth and final, and I'm not going to say that we'll lose the final. I'm just going to say that we'll get there um, and possibly win it. Okay. And I would be absolutely delighted with that season, by the way. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, Could we... Just trying to cope with another final would be very stressful, wouldn't it? Very stressful. We haven't been in an FA Cup final for like 30 years, so it's it's surely got to happen We've lost eight semi-finals in a row yeah. <laughs> literally not won an FA Cup final since my 8th birthday and that was the last time we were in what a final as well yeah yeah um, yeah be lovely wouldn't it be really lovely um, Rosa I'm going to go fourth and do you know what I'm just going to put it out there we're going to win the FA Cup okay good I honestly believe Ange is like he is truly the one like I can't believe where we are in the league with our insane broken squad and that just proves to me that he can do absolutely anything so like if there was ever a man to believe in it's him okay good I agree Uh, I'm going to go second and fourth round 
because mm. I think we're going to like get a horrible. I think we're going to beat Burnley, and then Billy, you sort of said this. I think I agree as well. I think we're going to get some horrible draw in the fourth round. We're going to get like Arsenal away, or I think your shout of Chelsea is a good shout. We always seem to get Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea away, and then it's just dead, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think the silver lining to that is that it will allow us to just blitz the league and I think we'll I think City will win the league but I think we'll we'll comfortably finish in the top four because that FA Cup game is in like two three weeks isn't it it's really really soon it's um it's in between Man United and Brentford I think yeah and you just wonder it'll be interesting who he risks sort of playing around like what his mentality is once we're hopefully past Burnley because Burnley's different right because we've then got this big break before United so we can sort of play and also we just barely got any players so he has to just pick who's there but um, the next round will present a bit of a poser for who he who he picks or who he might give a bit of a rest to so. I don't know if anyone did you see the Vincent Company interview today where he was like it's a perfect draw for us because what we wouldn't want to happen is to get like two lower league teams and go through and then get knocked out by Tottenham a few weeks later he basically implied that they're just going to get knocked out by Tottenham straight away, which is great for them. So if we manage to lose this tomorrow now, and he's basically admitted that he's going to throw it, then we're, we're in big trouble. <laughs> I mean, I suppose teams like that can be dangerous because they're just like, this is a free hit. I'm just going to go out and play football. But As we have learned so many times yeah. to our cost. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Um, Sam, your predictions, please. Um, quarterfinals, FA Cup. And winning the league. Wow. Okay. Um, do you really like honestly? Do you think we're going to win the league? Why not? Um, I mean, yes, true. But give me a reason why. So like, many reasons. How are we going to? How are we going <laughs> to? How are we going to get part? Like, because we, we. I have... think Ash said we basically have to like not lose another game for the rest of the season, right? But. That's ridiculous because everyone's dropping points left, right, and center. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But maybe, but maybe City of I don't know who knows with Man City. We didn't like, win a game for a month, and then last weekend we were three points from the top of the league. This is true. Yeah, we, we had no players. We didn't win a game in in all of November. It literally couldn't have gone worse. There, <laughs> there weren't one week injuries. They were like six months, ACLs, hamstrings, left, right, and center, and we're still there. And yeah. Like, why are we still there? Because we're meant to be. Yes, Sam. There you go. Preach it, right. and I'm here for it. Incredible. And what I will say as well is all of our rivals are still in Europe, and we're not, so... That's a really good point, yeah. And Liverpool and Villa have got Thursday night to, to contend yeah. with as well, haven't they? Which will start... And Arsenal have got a really good Champions League draw, so they're probably going to go quite deep. Mm. They look like they've really faltered in the league, so hopefully, hopefully the, their eyes will be off the league. Oh god, I forgot about them in the Champions League. That's annoying, isn't it? But hope, hopefully they'll just get knocked out as soon as they play someone serious. Be fine. Be fine. Um is anyone else in the mix for top four that's not in Europe? I suppose Newcastle, and they're way off, they're not going to be in the top four mix, are they? United are out, but West Ham are still they've got Thursday nights as well, so they'll start completely dropping points again soon, won't right, they? Right, in the, kind of somewhere in the mix as well, but they're yeah. still in Europe. So not really. And I suppose it is. It does look increasingly likely that fifth will end up being Champions League as well, right? So we maybe have a bit of a cushion to, yeah, to get really Champions League. Yeah, we're really difficult to win the if possible. All right, here's a but quick rapid. Here's a quick yeah. Here's a quick rapid fire question for you. Top four FA Cup win. If you could only have one, what would you have, Sam? 
FA Cup win because we'll get fifth. No, that's cheating. Call it, all right, qualification for the Champions League or FA Cup win? Uh, I just, I got to be like, oh, <laughs> I'm probably taking Champions League. Ooh, interesting. I know, I know people, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that, yeah. Okay, all right. Billy? Uh, in the week, our captain of 11 years has retired without winning a trophy from Tottenham, and we sold our best player who also didn't win a trophy. I can't possibly have Hengman on not winning a trophy of Tottenham, so I've got to go FA Cup without doubt. Yeah, that's that. I think would we'll do both. Though, but I, think, but I think both is very much on the cards. So. Also, I'd, I'd, I'd go. I'd go Cup just to have those pictures. You know, those photos. I'm, your photos, Sam. I want your photos I'd, of that day. Yeah, that um, would be pretty magical. Can I? Can I? Myself no, you, no, you can't. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were going to change your answer. Sorry. Go on. Have you, you seen, that, have you like. seen that viral video of that guy who's being asked um, a, a moral question, and he's like, "I reject your question." Both. That was my answer. <laughs> both. I'm going to be the both guy. <laughs> right, to, to back to back up my question, it's like this is I got sent this today, which I thought was really good. Um, I'll try and get through it. It's like a big quote that um and said at the start of the season about you know um winning trophies or whatnot but he said um i've said before that there can't be a desperation to win a trophy because it cures all ills because it doesn't as soon as you win one what do you think the fans are going to say it's okay you don't have to win one for another 15 16 years no they want more so it's about putting yourself in a position where you can compete for these things regularly and give yourself every opportunity to win every competition you're in and it goes on about you know sort of creating a culture of repetitive success opposed to winning a trophy and thinking like uh, the task is done. So that's my justification. Thank you very much. <laughs> that sounds like, an, that's, I just feel like Potch said that sort of stuff. And ultimately like we did need a trophy to sort of take us up a level. So I feel like I'm, yeah. I would choose a cup. I would choose I would, a cup. I was going to say I would choose a cup because of the kind of the counter to that argument in that like winning there's, winning is a kind of mentality and there's something contagious about winning a trophy is that you just mentioned potch but is that like a Mourinho thing where it's like we're going to win the fucking league cup and the charity shield and whatever and it means that the players know what it's like to win and mm. it the one thing uh snowballs onto the next i guess so fa cup this year league next year in angie's second season yeah, okay. and I I fully believe that's possible, to be honest. I think he can take us there. I'm going to go Cup as well. Just because I love Europe, man. I love it. I love the music. I love just feeling like we're back and the, like, the big boys. But I don't remember what it feels like to win a trophy. So I just want that feeling. Just the idea. Oh, just imagine Sonny getting to lift the FA Cup. I just, oh. And they, I, there'd be something so, I mean... Hugo was very loyal and Harry was loyal as well. But he, the fact that he's like the last man standing and like the last sort of, you know, he's just like... Coughs in gentle Ben. <laughs> ben didn't start the Champions League final. No, that was true. my... Oh, that, you're being yeah, he, but fine, he has fine. been around. He has been around yeah. for the same. And also I didn't say that I was talking about the Champions League final. So you were right to call me out on that. Um, but yeah, like Sonny's the sort of last like star of that era and... He deserves the world. So just for him to have that moment, I just think would be magical. We haven't we haven't really mentioned Hugo. Um we did a whole special episode when Delhi left. <laughs> Hugo was like 
11 years Hugo did we haven't even mentioned we've been talking for an hour um it was a nice moment I'm glad he got such a nice lovely sort of farewell and everyone you know we won and that made it a nice day as well so players don't normally get that sort of goodbye I guess do they so that was pleasant I thought he did what Hugo has always been amazing at doing even like I think he gave us what, like nine years of like quality service and then two years where it was obviously not really happening for him anymore. But I think throughout that time, he's always spoken so beautifully about the club and about the fans. And I think he did that again. And I got extremely choked listening to him. And I feel like it's it's fine. It was the right time. I mean, it was later than the right time, probably. But he also has left us with an amazing new goalkeeper. And so he kind of did what he said he was going to do, which is he wanted to be there when the six, like to sort of ensure the succession. And he did that. So I feel so grateful that we had him. And I hope Marine has a great time in LA. I'm sure she will. They will. The whole family will love it, I'm sure. Um, particularly with this weather. God, they'll be thrilled to escape to LA. Um, Let's move on. Culture. Um, we asked you lovely viewers for your favourite picks from 2023. Uh, we're going to be giving ours in just a second. But um, as usual, you delivered. Billy, what are some of the highlights from our um, listener picks? Um, before we go for our listeners, I'm just going to go through Ashes, who told us um, that his favourite uh, bit of culture this year was an album called Signs by Pure Link. Um, which is apparently an ambient album that he's not stopped listening to. Uh, so thank you very much for that from Ash. So we've got loads of really cool culture picks. I'm just going to read a few of them now. So Dave says, a lot of love for Apple TV. I know you've mentioned Pachinko before, but I think it needs another mention. Also really like Still Up, something a bit funny and lighthearted. Moonchild says, my favourite book was Babel or The Necessity of Violence by R.F. Quang. Um, <clears throat> Sneeharant says, Succession, The Bear, Beef. Jury Duty, Poker Face, my top television picks from 2023. Such brilliant stuff. I know we've, we've shouted out a few of them um, this year for sure. Uh, Dan Thomas says, top three albums were Caroline Polachek, Jesse Ware, and Sophia Cortesis. And our top three tunes were Escapism by Ray, Deadbeat Gospel by Barry Can't Swim, and You by Overmona. Again, a couple of people that I've had shout-outs on our show before for sure. Love those ones. Sean says music, both busted albums, Sleep Token, an incredible metal band, and a country music artist called Drake Milligan. Movies, Oppenheimer, Barbie, Mission Impossible, John Wick 4, Dungeons and Dragons, which I know me and Rosa both loved, and the Wham documentary. Ollie says films, Oppenheimer, the only non-kids film I've seen, uh, TV Succession, and music, The Last Dinner Party by... Uh, the Last Dinner Party and Bob Villain. Uh, book, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I've never heard of that one. He says he thinks it could be a big deal, though. And a podcast, except for HG, of course. Can I tell you a secret? Um, Kaylee says Saltburn. Um, and also that episode of Succession. Jimmy says things I can actually remember, which is a big problem that I have as well. So I recommend anyone get a letterbox if you're like me and you forget everything that you've ever watched. Um, a World in Common at the St. Modern. Um, a Gentleman in Moscow by Amma Towles. Not new this year, but new to me. Uh, Gucci Cosmos at 180. The Bear, obviously, which has got multiple shouts from you guys. Georgia Album, Naomi Sharon, Obsidian, Across the Spider-Verse, which is definitely a pick from me. Air, which is also another huge film for me as well. And The Long Shadow at ITV. 
Uh, Oggy says, I was in London early December as we lost to West Ham and Trent to Newcastle and able to see Taylor Wessing Photo Portraits Prize 23 at the MPG National Portrait Gallery. As of movies, Oppenheim and Blue Eye Samurai are the two favourite 2023. Uh, I'm definitely going to talk about one of those in a minute as well. Uh, friend of the show, Caroline says, Films, Past Lives, Godzilla Minus One, Books, The Rachel Incident, Exiles and Hellbent by Lee Bardugo, and Music Javelin by Sufjan Stevens, Late Developers and Bell and Sebastian. Happy New Year and Happy New Year to you, of course, as well, Caroline. Uh, Nigel says, movie Past Lives, which is, I know, made a lot of end of year lists, which is an incredible movie that I would recommend anyone to check out. Uh, music, TV Girl, Who Really Cares, TV, Ghost, the UK version, and Sport, just THFC Women in general, which I'm sure we can all definitely get behind. Uh, HD's very own Lauren says, Albums, Heaven by Cleo Soul, TV Lupin, Books, Get Rich or Lie Tryin', uh, Concerts, Beyonce and Mahalia, and Restaurants, Chukus in Tottenham, which I'm not familiar with, but if you're recommending it, I'm going to check it out for sure. Have you not been, uh, Billy? Have you not been to Chukus no, yet? Ne never been to Chukus. What kind of food is it? It's Nigerian tapas, and it's amazing. Oh, nice. It's so good. We should all go once. We used to go quite yeah, a bit when um, we lived in Tottenham. Next, also, next fun fact about Chukus, it got basically saved by Beyonce. It was um, it really suffered during all the lockdowns and was finding it hard to keep going. And she did those sort of special grants for Black-owned businesses in each of the towns that she was touring in and um, chose Chukus as one of um, her businesses. So Beyonce has kept it going. Um, and it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm glad Lauren picked that. Definitely. Uh, Peter says, movies, past lives, poor things, American fiction, Oppenheim and Barbie. Um, I assume Peter is messaging from America because a couple of those aren't out in the UK yet. Um, and friend of the show, Chris, says, Deadlock and Prime, um, one for Sam as well, because it's an Australian and so perfect for our Aussie loving. So thank you so much, guys, for getting involved there with those. Um, please keep them coming. So as we mentioned before, I love getting all the recommendations from you guys. I know that we all do. You recommend us some really cool stuff this year. Um, and please keep them coming in 2024 because it's a real privilege to be able to listen to them from you guys. Absolutely. Thank you all very much. And just for listening in general. It's always appreciated. Um, let's have your ones then, please. Billy, you can go first, unless you want to have a glass of water because you've read out 10,000 things. Um What's... Yeah, I was I was really deliberating these because we've we've kind of said that we'll try and st stick to two or three each, and I've got a list of films which has gone to like f fourteen films that I saw last year that I really really love, and I'm having a hard time to pick them. I'm going to choose two of them. Um, one of them is Godzilla minus one, which Caroline mentioned because I saw it literally yesterday, and it is an absolutely incredible. And the reason why I think people should check it out is because um blockbuster cinema at the moment is in the mud it's it's, it's it's terrible like marvel are in the mud um all the superhero franchises are failing and losing money marvel um is, is losing money and obviously they've got loads of stuff going um loads of horrific stuff going on with them as well um and blockbuster cinema in america and hollywood in particular is just in a really really bad place the movies are not making money unless they're um barbie or oppenheimer obviously so Japan um, released their own Godzilla film. It cost $15 million to make um, and it's made a shitload of money and it's just fucking brilliant. It's really, really good. It's just gone back to really basic storytelling. Um, just makes you really, really care about the characters and not necessarily about CGI bites. Um, and the new Godzilla vs. Kong film that's coming out in a couple of months' time cost $200 million to make. I can guarantee it will be nowhere near as good as this. So I strongly recommend anyone who's really disappointed at the moment with blockbuster cinema, go and see Godzilla Minus One. 
Um, another film that I would recommend is Anatomy of a Fall as well, which is a French film that is definitely going to be in contention for the Oscars. Um, it's a French legal drama about a guy who falls through a window and, and dies and his wife has to then sort of, um, is kind of a suspect involved and there's a, it's a really, really drawn out legal case, which is an amazing, amazing film. And lastly, someone shout out to one of our listeners as well, who mentioned this one, Blue Eye Samurai, which is just the best TV show I've watched this year. It's animated on Netflix and it is incredible. Um, it looks incredible. Um, lots of violence and all that kind of stuff that I usually go for and it's just brilliant. So yeah, those are my three picks. Billy, will you also um, on Twitter share the rest of your movies as well? Because I know you are yes. Mr. Film, so I'm sure everyone yeah, would love thought, to know It's taken me a long time to get to down to 14, so yeah, I'll definitely share those as well. Um, excellent. Thanks, mate. Um, Tom, can I have yours, please? Yeah, I think um, I was trying to go for non-obvious stuff. Obviously, I listened to a lot of Olivia Rodrigo and uh, Blur this year and watched like The Bear and, um, yeah, Succession and everything else, all the other big things. But a couple of things that maybe flew under the radar, two songs that I was going to mention, uh, Hudson Mohawk and Nicky Nair's Set the Roof. Uh, just like an absolute dance banger. And the more you listen to it, it's some, there's something extremely hypnotic about it, the way it's built around sort of two or three vocal samples. And even I've even got my kids into it. Um, and it just like, it just bangs. I need to hear it in a club like really loud because it's so, so good. And on the same note, um, a collab between a rapper called Quingface over Mono and um, uh, Joy Orbison, the legend Joy Orbison as well, uh, a track called Freedom 2, which again is like really just amazing electronic music with a kind of awesome, I guess, grimish UK rap vocal drill, maybe drillish vocal over the top. And it's three minutes and it's like in, out. Both of those tracks just show what an amazing place British electronic music is in right now, I think. Um, that Icarus album that came out last year is so good. And, oh, the Pangea album as well. Um, so, yeah, that's my, those are my music tracks. And then the show that maybe flew under the radar more than others, I think it made some end-of-year lists, but please go watch Colin from Accounts. Uh, it is Aussie, and we love Ange. We love all things Australian, including our own Sam. Um, and it is just really, really funny. And if you haven't watched it, it's on iPlayer. I cannot wait for the second series. Uh, ignore the title, as Billy said at the time, Colin from Accounts doesn't sell what it is. It's an amazing kind of rom-com, I guess, for want of a better term. But it's also extremely Aussie and silly and, like, yeah, just brilliant. I honestly cannot wait for the next series. And if you haven't watched it, it's perfect for January as well because it will cheer you up while the weather's gloomy and uh, there's nothing to do. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Tom. Um, Sam? Yeah, I think like all of us had a tough time picking a couple. Um, from the television, I chose The Last of Us. Um, did you guys watch that? Yeah, yeah, me and Billy were big fans. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, right, yeah me, me too. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And obviously, for those that don't know, it's like a, a video game. It's been remade into television um by hbo and yeah it's it's so good i never played the video game um and i downloaded the video game but i'm too scared to play it because i think it's going to ruin the tv show for me which is probably the opposite to how most people felt about going into it if they'd played the video game 
Um, so yeah, quite unique in that sense, I think. Um, and then from the music world, um, I, I went to a gig in February, um, that sort of blew my head off. It was a, um, sort of Midwest emo kind of band called mum jeans. Um, and yeah, it just made me realize what I miss about sort of gigs in Australia when I used to go to record store shows and things like that. So yeah, that was like a really solid cultural thing that, um, stuck with me all year. Nice one. Thank you, Sam. Um, And also, I mean, I think one of our favourite cultural things has just been adding you, Sam, to our uh, oh, please to our to our squad. You've added <laughs> culture. Your photography has been a massive sort of part of all of our lives. Um, so yeah, one of my shout outs is Sam Cornish. Uh, it's one of my culture picks. Um, I'm also a... just going to quickly shout out. Sorry, Sam. I was going to did I interrupt you there, mate? I, I was just saying it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not at all um i'll do mine super fast um famous last words the uh album by cass is dead i just adored um i never thought we'd be in a position where we'd actually get a full album from him after sort of so many years of um sort of near misses and sort of full starts in terms of putting an actual record out so that was one of those rare moments where it actually happened and it was as good as I was hoping it would be. Um, a bit recency biased, but we watched Kin over just over Christmas, the sort of Irish crime drama that um, is on to a second season in Ireland um, and finally got put on the BBC um, in December over here. And it's really, really, really good. And it's got an amazing um, David Holmes score. Um, David Holmes is a huge favorite of mine. Um, he does tons and tons of soundtrack stuff uh and it's just excellent it's really really good um so i thoroughly recommend that and then also and i feel like i mentioned it about 900 times on the podcast but i love uh on apple tv plus uh the, the seth rogan and rose burns series platonic so much and it's, it's kind of a similar to colin from accounts vibes in terms of like just offering some gentle lovely escapist humor into our gray rainy lives particularly this time of year so if you didn't watch that last year i cannot recommend that enough um not least because you will want to own most of seth rogan's wardrobe um so those are my picks rosa see us home with yours please yeah this will be the year i do watch platonic because it does sound exactly my kind of thing um my book of the year is demon copperhead barbara kingsolver i talked about it on here before but it's just a tremendous work of art by a writer who is just fully at the top of her game. Just her craft, her empathy, her storytelling is honestly the best ever. I think she is a genius. Um, probably like Also a bit of recency bias, but I genuinely think this was the best film I saw this year. Just before Christmas, I went to see 1212 The Day, which is a Korean movie about the military coup that took place on the 12th of December 1979 and I'm not super familiar with the history but it's just it's amazingly done and what I think it does kind of better than anything else is that it shows you something that I think is kind of it's sort of a good lesson to keep in your mind in these times which is just there are sort of different levels of evil within sort of 
terrible systems because this is a dictatorship and they are not good people in the beginning but the people who end up taking over are even worse and there are still people trying to be brave and heroic and do the right thing even in the middle of all of that and is incredibly well paced and shot and acted um, if you can I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I went to actually see it in the cinema, which was a very cool experience for me. I don't get to do it often, but strong recommend. And finally, I would like to wrap up with, I went to a few shows this year. I just got to see Beyonce and SZA, but one night that I fucking loved, which most of us on this podcast made it to. We went on my birthday and it was friend of the show, Fortet at Alexandra Palace. And it was a glorious, glorious night. And one of my best birthdays in a long time, and one of my best nights last year. Oh. What what a year he had, by the way! Like, that, um, the amazing thing is that gig is uh, the live album as well, isn't it? He yeah. did he did three nights and the one. Yeah, and that was, night is the one. Yeah, is the live album. He did it just for you, clearly. I'm um, sure, even I, though he um, headlined Coachella, his highlight is definitely making our theme tune. Is probably his career highlight this year. So almost certainly true. Also, Rosa, I got, you to say, um, I got that book for Christmas, the Barbara Kings-Oliver one. My, oh, my, my God. I'm so excited for you. My mum got wait it to hear what you think about it. And couldn't believe I had never read her. So I like incredible books. Yes, I'm so excited for you. Great. We're all going to do stuff. each other's recommendations for once. <laughs> yeah, that should be a, a, a resolution for this year for us all. Um Guys, that was lovely. Thank you ever so much. And like I said, Sam, thank you for joining us. Everyone, thank you for bringing your wonderful recommendations every week. Um, we're all very excited about what this year is going to hold for our glorious football club and for our glorious podcast. Um, good times are ahead. Thank you all for listening. Billy, see you soon. Up the Spurs. <laughs> <laughs>